1: Even better, gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you.
0: Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked.
1: You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses.
0: This, this is, is the, the Game of Roses. Welcome to the, the game, game of, of roses. roses. Hopped out a limo in an all-black suit. Season 19, two girls, they threw me for a loop. Then they took me to the crib but she gave me a kiss and threw me a rose. And I thought, this could be it. To my people in the crowd, let me see your hands. We in paradise sipping with our toes in the sand. Toes in the sand, in the sand. We in paradise sipping with our toes in the sand. Toes in the sand, in the sand. We in paradise sipping with our toes in the sand. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Bachelor Clues. Pace Case is not joining me tonight. She is traveling across the globe. As you might have seen in her uh, social media posts, which we were posted to the Game of Roses Instagram, she found the dumping bench in Amsterdam where Nate Mitchell was dumped by Gabby Windy in the last season of at Season 19. Feel free to check that out. We can't thank Pace Case enough While she's out on vacation, she's still trying to find these uh, glorious, sacred locations all around the globe and report back to us. So we thank her and we hope that she has a fantastic vacation. But tonight, we are not talking about fantastic vacations. We are talking about one of the worst vacations a human being can have going to Mexico to sleep in bunk beds with no air conditioning while being eaten alive by crabs and having all of your past relationships, whether they be real or not, re-edited to make you look like a villain that will destroy your life for at least a year or two. That's the vacation we were watching tonight. And that vacation took place for 21 people in this first round. Before I get into the game breakdown, I want to give just some statistics that I I found to be kind of interesting. So tonight's first round saw 22 players enter paradise and the final player, which now is really being used as a curveball, a surprise like, oh, shit, look who showed up this season. That was Victoria Fuller. She was from Pilot Pete's season, of course, and and had a notorious hometown where it didn't even take place because she got in a fight with Pilot Pete on the steps of her parents' house. So she is the surprise here. Now, let's look at BIP season seven. This is last year's BIP. There were 24 players to the 21 of this season. So they had three extra players thrown in there. And last season's final entry was Demi Burnett. So we get into some things later in this episode where specifically Lace Morse is saying this season's boring. And, you know, Victoria Fuller's great. Don't get me wrong. Very excited to see her. Love seeing past players come back. But she is no Demi Burnett. And that's really, I think, the difference in scale that we're looking at between last season and this season. So now that we have that out of the way, let's dive in, shall we? And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present... Analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. We open tonight's extravaganza. Historic is this show. Because last season we had a bunch of uh, Bachelor Nation, official Bachelor Nation podcast hosts were in the player pool. They were protected. That's not happening this year. We don't have anyone from Happy Hour clickbait talking it out. At least not yet. But there isn't that sense that you got from these first players. I haven't even gotten to the intro yet. But let me just say this. Oh my God. Let me just say this. You don't have that same feeling of like, what the fuck are the producers going to do to these people because they work for the show? That feeling's not there. I truly feel scared for everyone on that beach now uh, this season, which is kind of interesting, I'll say. But let's begin. Our intro starts. We see the beach. We see a lizard. Uh, Jacob Rapini is Tarzaning. The IP is back and you better brace yourself because this summer things are getting weird. We see spanking shots of stomachs, vibrators and suitcases, dancing, diving, rapini's butt, makeouts, love triangles, Tarzans, not having sex, boats, love, fireworks, rainstorm. The boom boom room is invoked. So what could possibly go wrong? Tears, anger, sobbing, a twist that will leave you shook. Everything is about to change. Ladies are leaving paradise for the uh, Love Island game mechanic that is has just been taken from that show the bachelor producers have thought to themselves hey you know what why don't we just not come up with something new but steal something from another show and just fucking crowbar it straight into this one and that is what they're gonna do that's the thing in this promo where the ladies are leaving and they all say fuck you jesse palmer they're taking uh this component from love island we see some engagement rings and it all starts right now on bachelor in paradise hi i'm jesse palmer And he's walking the beach. And these are my favorite shots. It's uh, Dark Lord Harrison used to do these. And it's this kind of feeling that there's no players there yet. The beach is calm. The beach is serene and tranquil. This is a paradise now. But in a minute, it's about to be a hell on earth. So we get this, this little moment with Jesse Palmer, the calm before the storm where he's saying, welcome to the beach once again. This is the wildest show on television. He does a joke about if you listen close enough, you can hear the sound of crying still. Sounds like man tears to me, he says. So we get the tone. This is not as serious as The Bachelor or Bachelorette. And then we get a series of intros for the first sand round. Now, I'm not exactly sure, but I don't know if I've ever seen these before. If I have, they've been much shorter or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. This seemed new to me. I could be completely wrong on it. But uh, it seemed new to me. It felt new maybe in the presentation if they have this done this before. But we get uh, Hunter Hogg gets her intro. We see her taking a dump in her hotel room. This is the first shot we get of a player. She is on the toilet facing us, black box over the genital area, defecating. At least that's what we're led to believe. Hunter, please enjoy your time on the toilet because as we know, this will be the last shit you get to take. Because once you set foot on sand, there is no peeing, there is no pooping without the permission of producers. That is a real thing that they do in this show. And so here they're almost teasing her with this package. Look how nice. Remember how nice it was when you had a toilet in your hotel room? That's all gone now. We see her unpacking a suitcase of toilet paper rolls as she ITMs her struggles with IBS. And she explains having both diarrhea and constipation. She has both kinds of IBS. But she is excited to meet the men. And so this is her identity. This is how this human being is being presented to us. Just IBS, IBS, IBS. And it is a bit of a PTC here, but it's played in a funny way, as as will most be in Paradise, unless you're granted uh, the exalted place of a legitimate relationship, which we're going to get into in a second as well. We move on. We then see Johnny... Uh, gets his intro it's the song we played at the beginning of this episode brought back memories of soldier boy doing the for the right reasons rap on desiree Hartsock's season of the bachelorette haven't heard something this entertaining in a minute so thank you johnny then we see Serene. She's done teaching and ready for paradise, and she walks out of a school. She's in a bikini. She's excited to meet Brandon, so she's setting up that link already. And they give her a uh, recreation, basically, of the Tasha Adams emerging from the pool shot we got in her season of Bachelorette, which is itself a recreation of the Phoebe Cates emerging from the pool shot in a movie called Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It is once a, a shot style has solidified itself within the canon of what the producers use with the use, that everybody uses to make the show you start seeing it again and again and again this is how ponder shots were created which have some variety at this point but you started to see them kind of stuttering in in the early seasons and now you know exactly where they're going to be when they're getting ready for the the big final rose ceremony and all that but I think that this shot style here uh, I think we're going to see it again and again Uh, we've seen it now a couple of times And I think the emerging from the pool shot, we may even see it again in this paradise. Then we get some footage from Michelle Young's season as Brandon is getting dumped. Now, Serene has just said she wanted to meet him. We're now seeing him immediately after that. They're already setting up this couple for us. And uh, we see that footage from Michelle Young's season, and then we see him in the gym getting swole. Veins are popping. This man is taking this seriously. And he says he's scared of getting to the end and having it ripped away. That piece of information is very much a uh, hero edit, a protected player edit as well. There's nothing really funny about anything that he's done here. Kira Mengistu then gets her. She's a doctor. (laughs) She's in a doctor's coat with a stethoscope as she uh, walks down to the beach. And then she ITMs, I hope that the audience can see the real her because she was underutilized on her season, which I firmly agree with. Then she flashes the camera, pulls open her doctor's coat, and says in reference to her own breasts, take two of these and call me in the morning or don't the producers then make her crawl through the sand in her bikini as she ITMs coming into Paradise being more edgy than she was on Clayton's season? She says her only concern is how often she's going to be in the boom-boom room and with how many people. And she says in a a former life, she could have been a porn star. Now, this to me already, just in this intro package, seems to me like the producers are manufacturing all of this. This seems like a character she's playing, and I'm fucking here for it. Uh, I love it. This is one of the best plays I have seen in a like kind of a turning back to the old villains. She's basically saying like fuck it, I'm going to go in there and have sex with everybody and I'm going to be crazy and bombastic. Get ready for this. It's a perfect intro for this character she's playing. I I truly don't believe any of it's real, but it it is like a throwback to Just some of those seasons where you had players that were like, wait, what the fuck are they doing? I feel like she could turn in a performance like that this season. My eye is definitely on her. Rapini is up next. He does an ocean hair flip and does some exercises while drinking margaritas. Then he walks through a grocery store with no shirt on. Says he's into eyebrows. All right. Genevieve is up next, and she has 200 bathing suits. She flings them all over the place as she's pretending to pack in her hotel room and decide which one she wanted. And we pull out to see a sound guy covered in these bathing suits, hanging off of his boom mic, hanging off of his head. And this sound guy was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno bystander of the week. It is extremely rare that you see a member of the production team get screen time like this. And especially in a scripted bit where they get to have a little bit of a joke. I congratulate you. Sound Guy, whatever your name was, for getting in the document on that day, being game for whatever they said you needed to do, you're like, absolutely, throw the bathing suits on me, let me get up on the screen. Then we see that uh, Justin Glaze is on Genevieve's radar, and she's scared that Shanae is going to ruin everything. So they're already setting up some rivalries here, even in these intro packages. Then we get Shanae's recap reel of her drama in Clayton season, and then we see her trying on bathing suits in her house. She ITMs that she's going to be herself, and if the other girls don't like it, she doesn't give a fuck. She also wants Justin, and then she makes out with a shrimp. So they're calling back the uh, Shrimpgate scandal that she was a part of in her season, and then they are also uh, getting the old villain vibe in there. I don't care what anybody else thinks. Kind of a not here to make friends, villain strategy seems to be what she's going to play, at least at some point. Then we get Justin's intro. They do a face play recap reel, and he tries to say some words in Spanish and fails. And then he twirls a shirt on the beach. It's a very short intro. Just like the season uh, of Bachelorette, that was Katie Thurston's season. Justin was disappeared from that document, and it seems here they're disappearing him from the intros. And then we have Jill Chin. She is uh, has her cat choosing pictures of guys at sh- as she's packing and she that <laughs> she's cared too much what people think last time, but this time she's going to let her freak flag fly, and she's hoping for a ring. So this intro package is a little bit of a fool at it. Obviously, she's, you know, treating her cat like a human child. No offense to anyone who does that. I love cats. But I'm just saying that they are cutting her to potentially not be a serious player. Then we get Michael Alio. He ponders we see his breakup with Katie Thurston. He left because of his son, but now he's ready to abandon his son again to come back into the game. And he says what's difficult for him is being away from his son except on Paradise, and he's doing it once again. So he says it was actually his son that forced him into the show. His son wants a mother. uh, So he's going to go to Paradise and bring one back, and he skips a rock into the ocean. This is the best edit so far. You know Michael Olio is going to get a very favorable edit for this whole season, and I would say he's very likely going to be one that winds up in in some sort of a serious relationship. Maybe it dissolves by the end, but I think he's going to uh, be in a very serious one that will either end in like massive heartbreak or a proposal. And that ends the first portion. So we got these intros. We still haven't really seen the beach, except for DLP. And then we come into portion two. We get the first crab coming out of a hole and going back into it. And this first crab of paradise was my... Ah! Creature of the week. (laughs) Crabs are the spirit animal of Bachelor in Paradise. They are referred to every season. They always cause troubles. People hate them, they're scared of them. We saw multiple shots tonight where people are dancing around the crabs. The first crab scene in the document, each year is a sacred crab, the inauguration crab. And so this year, the inauguration crab gets my Creature of the Week. Then DLP direct addresses us, Bachelor Nation, it is time. Let's get this season started. He explains that this is his first time hosting. He's honored, excited, and humbled, he says. These are the words he uses to be there. And he flips the sign from closed to open, and paradise begins. Serene walks the stairs. First female sand. Women get first sand every year. This is no different. And uh, this was surprising to me. I thought it would have been Teddy Wright. But Serene Russell takes it. And she meets DLP at the gates to hell and they recap her heartbreak at the hands of Clayton, still kicking this man in the nuts (laughs) several seasons after his season aired. uh, She says she's ready to move on. DLP tells her uh, something that's pretty important. You're the first person to arrive in paradise. Serene enters down the steps and she has the entire beach to herself. She does a cartwheel on the beach and gets black box. Olio is up next. He is first male sand, AKA second sand He meets DLP at the Gates to Hell. DLP compliments him on his jackedness. This is muscularity, not vascularity. And DLP asks him if he ever thought he'd be in paradise. He says, none of my wildest dreams. This is because Michael Olio was in serious contention to be The Bachelor. And he obviously didn't get it. So I think he thought, uh, no, dude, I didn't think I was going to be in paradise I thought I'd be on the bigger show. But here he is nonetheless, a good soldier um, coming back into the game. He ITMs coming to Paradise with a full open heart and readiness to take a chance. And he and Serene meet on the beach and they hug. uh, And they walk on the beach and wonder about who's coming next. And these montages that we get of all the players coming in, this is essentially how the, the first day of Paradise, if you will, day one, as opposed to the main game's night one, This is how it always is. It's the players come, they meet DLP, they come down the stairs one by one, and each of them have different relationships with each other. Andrew Spencer arrives third, sand, no DLP greeting. He ITMs how good Serene looks and how upbeat she is. Next up is Genevieve Parisi, fourth, sand. Also, no DLP greeting here. Seem to be carving him out of the document a little bit. She and Serene start screaming in excitement to see each other. Olio tells Andrew that he thinks Serene and Genevieve are youthful, in implied contrast to his own thirty-eight years of life, and that becomes a little bit of a theme here too—that Michael Olio is older than everyone else. And then we see Johnny arriving. Fifth sin again. No DLP greeting. Olio mentions that they're old news because they're from one year prior to Johnny's season. Johnny goes to talk to Serene and Genevieve and Alio says he's here to play. So we get some open gameplay speech from the package deal. Michael Alio and then Johnny ITMs. This is where Johnny thrives. Johnny's going to make some magic happen here. He's using the third person to describe himself. This is a fantastic colorful narrator uh, technique in your ITMs. Definitely if you can pull it off, and not seem arrogant, you can do it. And I think he does it here. It entertains me. I don't know. I found it funny. Teddy is next down the steps. And uh, again, no DLP greeting here for the sixth sand. She descends the staircase, ITMing that she's still a virgin as we see a bee and a bird in the B-roll. She enters the beach screaming. Uh, and we get a weird slow motion shot of Andrew Spencer watching her. I, I don't know what they were implying there, I guess that he likes her, and obviously we'll we'll see that play out later, but it seemed like a swing and a miss to me. It seemed like they were trying to do something funny, interesting. There was a weird graphic that got put on it. Um, Didn't work, in my opinion. And we get Serene being black boxed again. A lot of black boxing going on all night long. Andrew ITMs that coming here, he wanted to meet Teddy, and he has something special for her. Then we get one-on-one time with Andrew and Teddy. Andrew Spencer unveils this gift, the something special. It is a hand drawn smiley face on the nail of his big toe with what looks like yellow uh, nail polish in the corners of the nail. Teddy laughs. So ultimately, this strange strategy achieves the desired effect. Um, but then she starts kind of ITMing, making fun of him that his feet have seen hard times. This one struck me. I gotta say, I've never seen anything quite like it. I don't, it seemed so uh, not thought out at all. Yet there was seemingly toenail polish on the toe, at least in the corners. I don't really know what this play was. It was very strange. It's almost just like a straight confusion play. Like he meant to just show her this toe and she'd be like, what the fuck is going on? And that somehow would reset her and he would be able to to work his conversation on her. But uh, I don't get it. I don't get it, but it fucking worked. And I took a picture of it and I'll probably study that picture a whole bunch later. But nonetheless, he makes this strange play. And then uh, Casey is next on Sand, 7th Sand. He ITMs a description of himself as a 37-year-old geriatric millennial and a lesser-known person in the nation. No DLP greeting once again. Haley Malls is next at 8th Sand. Brittany Galvin is 9th. Jill Chin, 10th. Hunter Hog 11th. Uh, Sierra Jackson gets a DLP greeting at 12th Sand. She brought shots for she and DLP and they shoot them together. She spills some booze all over herself and comes onto sand. Then we get Jacob Rapini, a.k.a. Tarzan. He is 13th sand. He is made to wear only a leaf over his genitalia and beat his chest like Tarzan as he comes in with no greeting from DLP. This is the Kenny Brash entry of this season. It is a voluntary nudity play. And it seems that there is going to be one of these players now every season who doesn't mind being naked, who in fact uses it as part of their identity, part of their strategy. Rapini is trying it this season. Can he beat Kenny Brash? That's a tall order, Mr. Rapini. We will see what you do with it. But then he gets a black box as he comes over to the women, and we see that the men and the women have been separated now. There's enough of each of them that you can have the groups form, and the producers separate them so there is no commingling without producer interference. He introduces himself to the women as Tarzan. He makes a joke about feeling overdressed, and then the guys talk about how beautiful the women are, and they talk about how most of the women are from Clayton's season. Shanae then gets 14th sand. She does get a DLP greeting, as the other women are discussing how they don't want to see her touch sand. She's 10 feet away up the stairs, talking to DLP. She enters the beach as the other women are cheersing to a drama-free summer. DLP rubs his hands maliciously and smiles as he says, here comes trouble. <laughs> We're here to help you find love, but here comes trouble. <laughs> it's so sinister. It's like, we'll get to it. I'm, I'm so far ahead of myself now. <laughs> okay, here we go. And then we get a casting card. Is the only thing steamy in your life your shower? We can help. So they're still casting even throughout Paradise. Portion three, Sinead meets the guys. Jacob seems to be immediately interested. Genevieve ITMs that she has no faith in Sinead being nice. She thinks Sinead will try to actively fuck her over in some way. Sinead approaches the women. She tells them all that she is Sinead 2.0 now. And Genevieve ITMs that she's losing her mind about Sinead being able to turn it on when she wants to. So she doesn't believe any of this is genuine. And the guys all seem to like Sinead. Genevieve ITMs that she is scared she will fall for someone and Sine will ruin it. Genevieve, you can never say this shit in your ITMs because the producers will then make that exact thing happen. Whatever you say you're most afraid of, they will then attempt to make happen. So here Genevieve has committed a small error in one of her ITMs. Justin Glaze then is 15th San. He gets a DLP greeting. DLP mentions that he's most known for some iconic face play. And DLP has him run through some of his most well-known faces. Surprise, Justin. I forget what the other ones were, but that one was hilarious to me. But I just love that the game itself is recognizing that face play is a super important part of the sport. And you can even, in some cases, uh, have your identity created around it, as Justin has here. Then he enters the beach. Genevieve ITM's nervousness about meeting Justin uh, because she was the guy he liked, and Teddy likes his smell, she says. Then we get some one-on-one time with Genevieve and Justin. They talk about their exposed toe shoe collection, and she describes some of the gems she has on her Crocs, including a narwhal, which Justin does not know what that is. And then they discuss some fruit that they like. Standard for state conversations about narwhals and your uh, distaste for pears, if you have it. Then we get some one-on-one time with Jacob and Shanae. His genitals are black boxed. He gets a quick chemistry play with a casual knee grab, puts his arm around her, and they immediately start making out. This is the first kiss of paradise. He wastes no time here, and then we get a shot of a dolphin jumping out of the water to reference the metaphor he used right before this about being a baby dolphin out in the big sea. They seem to have an immediate connection here, and these could be two fools coming together in a union or a fool and a villain, rather, uh, which is an interesting union to say the least. So we'll see if that one lasts. I'm not, I'm not real hopeful that it will, but we'll see. Portion four begins. Haley and Jacob run into the waves together. He's diving into the waves, uh, not a care in the world. And then we get our 16th sand, Lace Morris. She was from, as she's ITMing, BIP season three. And this is a long time ago, six years, as we're going to find out later. But I love seeing shit like this. This is the thing that I think it's one of my favorite parts about Paradise, honestly, is that they will sometimes reach back through time to pull somebody from a different era of the game. Lace Morris played before the pandemic, played before any of the bubble seasons, played before Pilot Pete, played before that was our first professional era. She's from a different era of the game. And you can feel it when she comes into the fucking beach. It it is, I don't know exactly how to describe it other than to say say, she came from a time when the show was gigantic. It is not that now. It has tapered off a little bit, I feel like, over these bubble seasons in the past few years in terms of like the fervor. Um, And I think she can feel it when she comes onto that that beach and she says it later we'll get to to some of those things but she just has something about her that is like from a different era of reality television like she knows what the fuck she's doing in a way that nobody now does at least that's the the tone oh, i just love seeing her come back to the beach it truly was one of the highlights of this episode for me So she enters and no one seems to be paying attention at first. She ITMs that she was on BIP season three, says she's put so much work into herself and has more to offer than when she was 25. Most people don't know who she is. Then Haley ITMs, I'm all for alumni coming to the beach, but six years? You're done here. You have no place here. This is a massive error in thinking. I don't think that this ITM will hurt her game, but Lace Morris has 245,000 Instagram followers. Haley Mollis has 10.8k. It is not knowing your history. It is not knowing who these other players even are. And I'm, I mean, it's important to know the history of any game that you play because you, you can see other players' techniques. You can understand how the game has evolved and how the way it's played has evolved to suit the structure of it. You have to know these things if you're going to play at a high level. And here, I don't know if this is a producer told her to say this or what, but Not knowing who Lace Morris is now becomes detrimental. It's not just about not having seen that season. This is a player that you're going up against now. You could have seen everything she did the first time through. You could have watched all of that and known exactly what she's going to do this time. Instead, you don't even know who she is. This is something that I think is uh, a professional player just wouldn't do it. They would know that. They would know these things. And so I thought this was an error.
1: Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues, Uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small, and if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past, Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake and therapy can help with that.
0: Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Game of Roses.
1: Clues, mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring, I'm ready to get out there, I'm ready to peacock.
0: we sent you after you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again, that's skims.
1: Clues. It is springtime. It is the off season. It mm-hmm. is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank true. dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters And cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul. Get those staple pieces, and I found Quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces, keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like clues, who only wears one outfit?
0: I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. <gasps> I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quince'd. <laughs> Just call me Quince'd, King Quince's okay. they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince King yourself or Quince Queen. Go to quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Anyway, Logan is next. He is 17th Sand. He meets everyone. No DLP entrance. And Serene is still waiting for Brandon. And she and Teddy and Genevieve think he's a hot commodity. So Brandon then enters at 18th Sand. No DLP uh, entrance. He comes in with this little dance and immediately introduces himself to the women. He ITMs that he wants to talk to Serene. So we're setting up that uh, connection. One-on-one time then with Brandon and Serene, they discuss their mutual excitement to meet each other. He tells her he's a personal trainer. She says, oh, I can tell. They both express how nervous they are to talk to each other. And it seems that this is a couple being set up. They're already editing this correctly for it to be like a a lasting relationship. And Brandon says, you got the I want to kiss you eyes. Great kiss lead in line here. And he gets that kiss. Then Jill Chin, ITM's, that these guys are very passive and she's waiting to see Romeo. Romeo then shows up 19th Sand. He gets a DLP intro and DLP tries a weird British accent Uh, reciting Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo, the famous Shakespeare line. And Romeo says, I'm right here. And then he says that he's (laughs) hung out with a few of the other women from season 26, including Jill and Kira. So they're making him set up his love triangle right from the very beginning, tell you what he's all about and what his story is going to be about. Then we get one-on-one time with Jill and Romeo. They wonder why they stopped being close. And he says, I wonder if it had something to do with me and Kira. And they kind of laugh. So this isn't, I don't think, going to reach the levels of a Baila Kai, Christina Schulman, Kalen Miller Keys. I don't think it was that serious. Jill Chin even seems to kind of be like laughing about it at this point. But I think that's what they're trying to do. And again, just as many of these uh, contemporary seasons of the main game have these pale echoes of seasons prior, this to me is that. It's like, oh, we could try to set up a thing like that. But this one isn't that one, you know? It's just like, that's why that Lace Morris thing. There's something about Lace Morris. Victoria Fuller had it too. She's from a different era also. Uh, more recent, but still different. At any rate, we then see Kira walking down the stairs. Of course, she's going to show up. 20th Sand, no DLP. She goes right for Romeo. Literally comes down the fucking steps. <laughs> sees that Romeo is talking to Jill Chin and is just like, no, fuck it. I'm going to go talk to him. Now, I don't have proof of this, but except what I've seen on the screen. But uh, The producers are just fucking firing her like a guided missile wherever, whenever they want. And I think she's... I I truly believe this is like pro wrestling now with her. I think she's 100% just like, whatever the producers want me to do, I'm going to do. And they've cooked up this kind of like this character who's going to be hyper aggressive and try to bust up relationships and shit. She is a, I think, manufactured producer villain. And they're going to keep her as long as they fucking can in the season. It's a brilliant uh, strategy, in my opinion, for somebody like Kira, who, as she herself said, was very underutilized on her season. We didn't have a good sense of who she was. She went home very early. And uh, I think this is a great thing to do for a player like that, to guarantee massive amounts of screen time and to have whole narratives worked around your character. And so she goes right over to uh, to Romeo and Joe <laughs> and sits down And swipes Jill's drink. She steals her drink, which will become a little bit of a a narrative thread throughout this episode. And uh, Kira Mingistu, stealing Jill Chin's drink was my... Play, 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 play of the game. It is designed by the producers, but still has to be executed correctly to achieve the desired effect. This is a crazy fucking play. You walk up and just steal the drink from somebody and sit the fuck down and start drinking it? This is very hard to do and still have that person believe that it was your idea and not the producers fucking with them because that is what's happening here. But Kira is able to pull it off. The acting is at such a high level that Jill storms off angry. She tells the other women that they used to be friends, but now they're not. And she fucking stole my drink. And then in an ITM, she's like, if she wants to go, it's on. So I'm not sure if that's real. That could have been a producer manipulation, but at least in that moment, I think Kira did get to her and that was what that play was designed for. So if you are working with the producers and they say, we need this to happen and we want you to do this, you have to go out and do that thing, but you have to get the result they want too. And she did. Perfectly fucking played, in my opinion. Portion number five we open with the women doing cartwheels and getting black box. Rapini gets black box. Olio tells Brittany he feels old. (laughs) (laughs) she says you look young this motherfucker is constantly talking about age and like youthfulness and youth appearance and all this shit it is so fucking funny and they're gonna make that his thing for the whole obviously we get the very next thing is uh, all the women like oh he's so cute he's so cute Haley calls him a zaddy in her ITM they're giving him this fucking hero like yeah he may be older than everybody here but he's a dad I mean a zad (laughs) So a DOP that shows up and asks them to join him in the Palapa. And these are all the players. We now know the first wave of players is here. He welcomes them into paradise, makes a few jokes about Rapini's genitalia, and then he says, find love or you will be sent home. And he explains that there's going to be dates and new arrivals each week. There's going to be rose ceremonies. And if you're not in a committed relationship and you don't get a rose, you will be going home. He gives them the advice that you should not hesitate. He explains that this can work. Couples have come from paradise. In quotes, beautiful children that have come from the love that started here in paradise, he says. And then he invokes the examples. These are the officially recognized couples from paradise. Jaden Tanner, Kenny and Mari, Jared and Ashley, Joe, and Serena. There is no mention here of Brennan Marais and Piper James or Chris Conron and Alana Milne, both couples that are still together and they were on last season of Paradise. But here, they make no mention of it. This week, the men are handing out the roses. Nine men, 11 women, two women are leaving paradise at the end of the week. Pressure's on. Viva la paradise, DLP says. The players go into their living quarters, and Kira ITMs her hope is that she'll be spending as much time as possible in the air-conditioned boom-boom room. I just don't think these are lines you say without a producer giving them to you. In my opinion, again, to me, seriously, it was like watching pro wrestling. She was a a pro wrestling villain, like through and through. I fucking loved it. So the women and men are split apart and forced to have the the chats in their gender-based groups. We see Serene and Brandon are still positioned as an early couple. Andrew and Teddy are positioned. And Kira says she's attracted to Rapini, but he cannot remember her name (laughs) when they cut over to him. And the guys have to remind him after he says she's a doctor. So then we have Sierra saying Olio is her interest. Brittany is also in for Olio, And so is Haley. Night falls. Wells appears as the bartender. He starts pouring shots. Rapini appears clothed this time. Jill brings in the first date card. And it's for Andrew. Take a shot at falling in love. He asks Teddy. She accepts. And they walk off hand in hand. The other players approve of them as a couple. They are very cute together. Portion six begins. It's one-on-one time with Andrew and Teddy. They come into a room with a giant margarita sitting in one corner. It's like a the art department has made this big margarita. I can't tell what's in it. Is it water? Is it actual margarita? I don't fucking know. They sit down at a fake dinner and Andrew cheers us to taking a shot at love. They immediately start talking about how long the day was. And then they talk about the anticipation of meeting one another. She says she was hopeful. He says he was hopeful. She says he seems nervous, and he says he can't help it. His nerves seem to be getting the best of him, and he ITMs that uh, he forgets what he's saying when he talks to her. And this kind of starts the, the tone of the play from Andrew Spencer here, which is going to be kind of a charming, nervous, bashful guy who just wants to make a good impression. I thought it worked very well for him. Back on the beach, Justin and Genevieve avoid some crabs and they have a little one-on-one time. He tells her that he's interested in her. She says he seemed uninterested. He can't believe that. And he asks, do actions speak louder than words? Finally gets her to say yes. And then he kisses her. This is a pretty good kiss lead-in line here. It's, um, you know, gets the job done. Genevieve then ITMs that he's a good kisser and she's a picky kisser, so that means he must be really good. Then they go to the hot tub and get some more kissing in. Portion seven begins. Back on the one-on-one, we're with Andrew and Teddy. Teddy explains that her main paradise goal is to be herself and she would love to find love and she's open to engagement. He says they're on the same page and Andrew ITMs that she has an aura that's one in a million and he has to do better at this date. He knows that he's kind of floundering and he tells her one of the biggest reasons he wanted to pursue her is because of this aura. And she says, he reminds her of the word joy. He then says another thing he likes about is her confidence and he's attracted to her. She says she's attracted to him. That is a love level 0.5. Maybe, uh, I, It's, it's, it's a weird stutter step. I'm attracted to you. I'm also attracted to you. It's not, I like you. It's not, I'm surprised how much I like you. It's not anything like that. It's just about the chemistry game only. I can't give this a full love level one. Got to have some emotional, uh, attachments in there. Nonetheless, you get a kiss. Then he takes her for something special. He says, and they stand up from the table and they take three feet of a walk and, get inside this giant margarita. Still no idea if this is a hot tub or really a giant glass of booze. They're just sitting in it, but then also drinking margaritas, it looks like. Teddy ITM's already having a crush. Uh, This is a loaded love level one, in my opinion. And we get some more kissing. Back on the beach, we get some one-on-one time with Johnny and Hunter. He says he likes when a girl can eat, and she says she would... Uh, turn him on with her eating skills and we get a little kiss here. Brandon gets a colorful narrator here to lay out the couples already forming. Uh, Johnny and Hunter, Michael and Sierra, Romeo and Kira and Jill are in some kind of an organization. And then uh, Brandon and Serene kiss. So they also are uh, at this point assigned and sealed couple. Lace has been by herself. And the guys explain that she wasn't having a good time. Casey makes fun of her for thinking her season was better. But unfortunately, Casey, she's correct. And then we cut to Lace. She's ITMing and she says, this is the most boring season I've ever seen in my life. This is worse than last year. And she says she's the prettiest she's ever been. And how is she not being pursued? She calls the guys something they bleep out And as she delivers her fast judgment on this season, she also delivers my... face play of the game. game. This was a thing of beauty. She's annoyed. She could possibly be drunk. And she does an eye roll... That is the stuff of gods. Uh, She's going into a season that has a guy that they gave a face play fucking reel to when he came to the beach. Justin Glaze I'm talking about. And she put this man to shame tonight. And Justin Glaze is a great face player. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, it ain't like this. It ain't like what I saw her do. This was something out of the past. I'm telling you. There's... And maybe I'm romanticizing the old seasons. It's possible, okay? But... There's just something about the way those the villains of the old school game would do shit. And I thought that she displayed it in the space play. I absolutely loved it, and I cannot wait to see more from her. So she's up here laying in her bed now, in her bunk bed. Shanae comes to talk to her, and uh, Lace says, no guys want to talk to her. She's over it. She's going to lay there and Lace ITMs that she's not interested in any of the guys anyway, except maybe Logan. So we planted that seed, which is going <laughs> to grow a terrible tree and then lace says it's just her against bachelor in paradise it feels like yes that's correct she is saying in plain terms what the fucking game is here it is every player against bachelor in paradise that's always the game you're playing it's the in paradise the third audience is I I believe the most important audience because you can do things like what Kira Mengistu is doing. You can just work with them and be like, whatever, I'll do whatever you want. You can do things like uh Store Joe did that when they came to him and said, You got to be the hatchet man, and in exchange, uh, you know, we're gonna give you the best edit ever. You can work with them more openly, I think, in paradise than you can in the main game. I just loved seeing Lace say this. Uh it it truly under to me, it underscored her understanding of what she's doing in a way that maybe other players don't. So, she says I'm going to start being fake as fuck. And she comes out to the bar and she's completely outgoing and hugging on people and she lies and says it's her 32nd birthday. They're all doing shots and she keeps running with this birthday lie, but it's kind of an open line everybody thinks it's funny nonetheless. And then she gets a little cake and she uses it to go talk to Logan. Come on, I want to share my cake with you. My birthday cake. He lights the candle. She gets him to sing her happy birthday. She feeds him some cake and It seems to be going well in this this first moment. You can't really tell if Logan's into her or not or he just felt obligated or what. I don't fucking know. But it seems like it's going okay. Then they start talking. She says she's not here for games. She wants to get to know someone. She's not interested in anyone but him. She asks him what he's looking for. And uh, he says he's 26. She laughs and calls him a baby and says, I got to go, jokingly. And then he calls her loose. This is not her name. She is rightfully insulted, and Logan, not knowing Lace's name, was my (laughs) error, 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 error of the game. And this goes back to what I already said. Logan clearly isn't a student of the game if he doesn't know who she is, if he doesn't know her by name. She's a very important figure in the history of the game. And now she is one of his opponents because they are playing against each other and with each other. This is a a very unique second audience game, much different than than in the main game. You're playing both with and against members of both the women and the men. Uh, And here he's just stepped right in it. Who knows what will come of this? If this spreads through the other women, it'll depend on their opinion of uh, Lace but it could be something that, that then makes another player think like, oh, fuck, he didn't even know her name. What an asshole. So I think there's a big misstep and it's easily avoidable, this kind of stuff, in my opinion. We get some tears from Lace and then we go into a uh, casting card. Considering faking your own birthday to meet men, I think we can do better. Uh, Darkler Palmer, you literally just did exactly that. The show that you're trying to recruit people into did the thing you're making fun of. I just watched it happen. I will never understand these things. Portion eight, still in the night. Lace compliments Casey's under boob. We get a little kiss here. We get some one-on-one time with Sierra and Michael. She ITMs. Not being a rose chaser uses that by name. I believe that's the second time we've heard it in the document. She tells him that she doesn't play games. She says the only person she's interested in is him. And he compliments the rarity of her old soul. She asks him what the hardest thing is for him so far about being a dad. And he says the hard part is creating memories and having no one to share them with. Each day that passes is another awesome memory. And the next person I'm with won't know that day. I want someone to share it with. This shit is poetry, what this motherfucker is saying. I would wager he wrote all this before he came in. That this was a, a standard kind of first day, bed, date conversation. I'm not saying he, he'd like literally put it on paper, but maybe, but he at the very least had the general tack of this worked out for sure. And it's delivered perfectly here. It brings uh Sierra almost to a tear as he's talking to her and he ITMs how beautiful she is. And she has a presence that is intoxicating and contagious. And Uh, he gets an ITM about the challenges of dating as a single dad and he goes in slow but he does see a future with her Jill then tells the other women about her and Romeo and Kira stealing her drink and she doesn't care to get involved in the drama she says then Kira seems to be getting a little bit of the villain edit here now it's really starting to bubble out but again it also seems like this is her strategy coming in that this has been prearranged with producers and this is the character she's playing
1: And I need an easy install and this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame.
0: Jill ITMs that she misses Romeo's friendship because of Kira and we get a literal replay of the things that we already saw about the drink theft and Wells then talks to Romeo about his love triangle and says he doesn't have a lot of time to make a decision. We then see one-on-one time with Romeo and Jill. Jill asks him what he thought of Kira interrupting them and he says he was a little annoyed and Jill tells him, come on, we have to communicate when he starts to get a little bit tongue-tied and he says that he likes her and he doesn't have a connection with Kira and he wants to move on and have a clean slate. Jill says she needs to see more action from him because he was avoiding her all day. This is she's begging for a kiss here. This is a kiss lead in line from her and he delivers that kiss. Kira is then by herself at the bar, but producers have told her to go interrupt the kissing so she fires off guided missile again down the fucking beach. <laughs> it's like <laughs> they they wait for these exact perfect moments to fucking send her in and she just God, she's so good. She's so fucking good at it. So she comes in and uh, she ITMs right before she blows them up that she's not here to make good decisions. Great producer line there. Jill sees her coming and asks, what's the game plan? And uh, Romeo says, you don't have to get involved. You go back and hang out with the others, which was what they called the bad guys on Lost for a while. And then Kira comes in and takes Jill's spot in the same day bed, Literally the same body indentation she just like lays down in it and jill marches off into the night and itms that she doesn't have time to explore uh romeo with kira around and produces tears then we get this one-on-one time with kira and romeo she asks him if she has scary monster energy and we cut to jill itming a primal scream and that is how we go out of portion eight portion nine begins still nighttime this is the first night the women group up with jill to discuss the kira missile that just blew up Kira is 100% doing whatever the producers ask of her at this point, and Jill tells the other woman that she's not playing the game. Oh, but you are, Jill. You all are. One-on-one time with Kira and Romeo, he tells her that she and Jill are starting to connect romantically. Romeo says he doesn't want his friendship with Kira to interfere with what he's pursuing with Jill. Kira says it's paradise, and you're open to explore whatever connection you want. Romeo asks if she'll let him pursue Jill in peace. <laughs> I thought that was a good line. And Kira says she'll respect him and let him see it through if he wants. Kira then ITMs having done nothing to deserve this. She thought they had a connection, but fuck him and fuck her. Just talking about Jill. And she was counting on his rose and she got played. And she hates that and she hates them. I, I don't know. Like she might truly have some emotional stake in this, but God damn, I feel like she's playing a character. Kira then comes over to Jill and they go off to talk. They walk out to the ocean and Kira asks what her problem is. And Jill says that her interruptions of her Romeo are intentional. Yes, obviously the producers are are controlling everything here. It escalates to something of a fight that uh, the other players start to take note of. An argument, really. We've seen much worse in Paradise in prior seasons than this. This just seems like a little disagreement. Kira accuses Jill and Romeo of gaslighting her. Kira says she feels disrespected by Jill and then accuses her of slut-shaming her. And Jill says she's the one being attacked. And so they kind of have a battle of who's really being attacked here. Um, I I was unaware of the slut-shaming thing. If that happened, I missed it in the show. Jill comes back to the group and fills them in and then walks off sobbing. Brandon does an STCO for her shoulder to cry on. Kira goes on a rampage, or at least they say she does. And then she ITMs that Romeo is a little boy and she needs a man. And she starts pounding shots. Then... Later, she's lying on Casey's chest in a daybed and rubbing his nipples. Jill sobs while Kira invites Casey to the boom-boom room in jest. Uh, A fantastic portion, portion nine. I love to see what Kira did in this one. She really rose to the challenge, in my opinion, um, and made this entire portion basically about her. Congratulations. Portion 10 begins morning. The crabs come out. People are sleeping, doing makeup. Some people are exercising on their heads. The guys talk about their night. Johnny and Logan discuss Kira playing with his nipples. Genevieve and Lace talk about their night. Genevieve says she and Justin are easy and have good conversation. She ITMs that it was an 11 out of 10, and she sees it going somewhere. Then we see Feet coming down the stairs. No DLP greeting once again. And it's Victoria Fuller. She ITMs that she's there for Justin, too. And then this season on bachelor in paradise we get a lot of water play we get spraying sunscreen showers abs shots dune buggies waterfalls more showers teeth brushing vibrators dancing twerking kissing food play fireworks love futures are seen drama more tears juggling relationships be a man betrayal more more tears group hugs and a shocking twist that will leave you shook we stole a game mechanic from another game Jill wants revenge. Someone passes out. There's an ambulance. Fuck you, Jesse Palmer. The most incredible season yet. Who will find love? Who will be crushed? Who will get engaged? The love continues every Monday and Tuesday night on VIP. So I'm, I guess next week it's Monday and Tuesday. And we will have out a recap that Wednesday of those two episodes. Uh then we get a tag. Hunter and Johnny talk about their favorite drinks, which leads to her revealing she has IBS. He reveals that he had a prostate exam at age 15. And that is the conclusion of the first episode of Bachelor in Paradise, season eight. There were some very good plays. There were some very bad plays. I mean, I I really can't believe Logan forgetting Lace's name, but there were a lot of good plays, and it was difficult for me to choose an MVP. But this week... Kira stew was my... M-M-M-M-M-V-P. She played her part so fucking perfectly that I think many people didn't even see it as a villain because I think Lace kind of took up a little bit of that air. It was fascinating to watch. It Like, this is really how you have to do villainy on Paradise. Because we saw Brennan uh, Marais and Piper James do it and they got destroyed. If you're going to be a villain, I think you have to go in hand in hand with the producers. You you must have their protection if you're a villain. Otherwise, they're going to fucking edit you bad and your, your life will be destroyed. So I think she's doing it correctly. And those plays were like, everybody's going to be talking about, myself included right now, the drink theft, stealing that fucking drink. That was the biggest thing to happen tonight, in my opinion. Um, it was just a brilliant play, perfectly executed. And I can't wait to see what Kira Mengistu does. Cause again, I agree with her. She was underutilized on her season. And now, at least for my money, she was the star of tonight. I don't know who, who was doing it bigger or better. You know, I don't know if it's going to make it hard for her to make a, a full end game run. Like, will it be believable if she winds up with any guy and they they get proposed or they get uh, engaged? I don't know. I th- maybe. She might be able to pull it off. But she just impressed me incredibly. And um, those are my awards. So thank you, everyone, for joining me tonight once again. Happy trails to Pace Case. She's out there gallivanting around the world, having a good time. She will be back with us next week. But I hope that I've been able to supply a breakdown of tonight's big game, a very important one, very historic. And I am curious to see... My main curiosity, I guess, is to see what happens to the the guys of the most recent season of Bachelorette, like your Logans. Because they are... Still virtually unknown on Instagram and within the culture of the game, within the nation at large, because they got half the screen time and we obviously know all their Instagram numbers are down and all that stuff. I'm curious to see if this does anything for them. And I'm also just curious to see generally... What happens with Instagram to all of these players? Was what we saw last season in Bachelor at 19 a fluke? Was that a one-off thing because they had two leads, half the screen time? Or are we now going to start seeing this trend continue even into this season of Paradise with uh, people getting almost no followers? We will be tracking all of that in our uh, weekly recap episodes this week in Bachelor Nation that come out on Fridays. But once again, thank you everyone for joining me tonight. and. Before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,492 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast.